about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. We're here. We love you. We want you. We expect you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what you want to show us tonight and all that you've done for us, Lord. We're grateful. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, my gosh. Well, since I got back from Youth with a Mission, my mind has sort of been like, okay, what do I do now? It was like all the plans that I had were kind of like thrown overboard, and it was like, okay. <laughs> and I definitely was in, in this strange place of what am I doing now? Where am I going from here? So thank God for Pastor Tom, who listens to all of my stuff, and, uh, <laughs> and assures me that it'll be okay. Yeah, right up here. Thanks, Cody. Um, so what the Lord was bringing me to was back to the basics and it seems like he was saying, okay, do you really believe what you know? And I know a lot. Do I really believe it? And if I really believe it, why do I believe it or why don't I believe it? And let's find out. So he brought me back to a familiar passage. And so let's turn to 2 Peter. So I hope tonight just to read through this passage and God helping me you can pray that I take only 10 minutes <laughs> per, per point and, uh, <laughs> and we'll get you out but not without seeing some pretty important stuff so in 2nd Peter chapter 1 right at the very beginning let's read Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What, a, what an awesome passage, um, just to begin with right there. Um, where it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained. Now that word in Greek is not the same, because we think of obtaining as you know, I'm, I'm taking it, I'm holding on to it, but that's not what the Greek means. It actually, um, it means to lot, L-O-T, lot. In other words, um, it's you're assigned a share or a portion so that it's allotted to you, it's a portion to you, it's a distribution given to you. Um, and it's the same, uh, thought as when Joshua, it says in Joshua 18.10, Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord, and this is for the whole uh, nation of Israel, and there Joshua divided the land unto the children of Israel according to their divisions. So in other words, they threw up dice and whatever came down that particular tribe got threw up dice, came down this particular portion of land. So it's really that we have been allotted or given a portion of faith, each one of us. And what this 
this also is, is uh, you'll find it in Romans 12. So let's turn there. Keep your finger in 2 Peter. We'll keep going back to that. So in Romans 12, we can find it in verse 3. I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God gives us the faith. And if you remember from um, Ephesians, and that's chapter 2. So let's go there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We'll probably come back to this. I've already gone off my notes, believe it or not. Um, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And I would always, always read that and go, well, well, what is it? By grace, is it the saving that's the gift of God, or is it the faith that's the gift of God? And the answer is yes to both, <laughs> you know, that God has given us both faith and salvation as a gift. So I remember when I um, first got an inkling that it wasn't my boyfriend, it wasn't my parents, it was me making the choices that were wrong. God gave me the gift of faith when I went forward in my Greek Orthodox church to receive communion. And somehow, some way. His spirit let me know that he had forgiven me just by knowing the grace of God in his blood and his body. So close your eyes for just a minute. I just want you to remember way back to when you guys, you each, you women and men, first knew that you were forgiven, first knew that there was something different, first knew that Jesus had come into your heart as a result of your faith that he had given you. Father, thank you so much for that entrance into your kingdom, for the gift that you gave us of faith. In Jesus' name. So in Romans 12, if, if you're still there, which probably aren't, I, lo- I love this portion. Wait, I'm jumping, but oh well. Lord... <laughs> Okay, forget, forget Romans 12, forget Romans. I've got so much here that it would take at least three days to tell you about it. <laughs> so I'm just like, Lord, help me. All right, so he's given us an ability to believe and receive. It's called appropriating faith. It's not just, yes, I know Jesus is God. It's that I take him as my own. It's like the Lord is my shepherd on our five fingers. The Lord is my shepherd. There's a difference between knowing the psalm and knowing the shepherd. So, all right, so now Peter says in chapter 1 of 2 Peter that we've received like precious faith. Okay, same thing with like precious. It's one word in the Greek, and it means of equal great value or of equal high honor. So we have to remember that Peter is a Jewish person speaking to the Gentiles, and he's saying, look, not only are the Jewish people chosen, but the Gentiles are also. And so we've each received an equal portion of faith and of great value. 
So faith, all right, what does faith mean? Firm persuasion, a conviction based on hearing the truthfulness of God, a reliance on by inward certainty. And faith is an action. I know there was a famous preacher that kept going from side to side on the stage, and all he would say is, faith is an act. And then he'd go to the other side. Faith is an act. And he did this for about 10 minutes, you know, just affirming that faith doesn't stand around with its hands in its pockets. Amen. It's something that we do because we believe. So if we're persuaded of the word, it prompts us or rouses us to the doing of something. The word heard moves us to action if we believe it, which means I will act on anything I'm convinced of is the truth. So let's turn to Hebrews 4, which isn't too far away from 2 Peter. Hebrews 4, verse 2 is kind of a good barometer of where our faith is. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, as, as well as unto the Israelites. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into rest. So don't forget that as I'm preaching to you, I'm also <laughs> talking to myself. It's not that I've perfected any of this, but that I know of it, and that, that's my heart's desire the way yours is too. So didn't Jesus pray for Peter that he would become a better person? No. Maybe he prayed for Peter that he would have grit his teeth and bear through and get through that temptation. No. Let's look it up. Luke 22, hey, if I don't know something, I want to go to the Word and find out really what's, what's going on here. So in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, I'm sure I'm right on this. Now, come on now, let me read this here. Verse 31, Luke 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. See, see, I did that. I have prayed for thee. Oh, wait a minute. I think we have to look at the context. That thy faith fail not. Oops. He doesn't want us to be great people. I mean, can we do that on our own? No, we can't. At this point in my life, Having known the Lord Jesus, I have come to the point that I can't do it on my own. And that's actually a good place. That's a good place, because then I need the Lord. Okay, so Jesus prayed that Peter's faith wouldn't fail him. So it must be important. All right, so let's go on in 2 Peter. Let me read first Peter, I mean, that first verse again. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay. I want to read that to you 
in a way that when I first went back to this section, I kind of heard it in my head. So it's, in, it, it's totally different. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained righteousness through being good, having both good behavior and good thoughts and intentions, accolades, congratulations, approval and affirmations be multiplied to you through how good or bad you are in comparison with others or by your own standards that you set for yourself. Huh? <laughs> you know, how many of us have lived according to that? Like that accolades, congratulations, approvals, and affirmations. I mean, God, how much have I looked for that in my lifetime? So let's, okay, I, I have to do this chart because I love it. <laughs> Go to page three. And, all right, here it is. Okay, some of us may not have realized that this is what we did in our lifetime. And it, the Lord opened my eyes to it. Um, okay, so the top little fella can be an employee, could be a son, could be a daughter. The bottom little fella could be a mother, a father, or an employer, okay? The circle is our... Um, Emotional focus, okay. The line on the top, I do want you to see, write it down, visible actions. The, the line that goes from, the, from one person to the other, that straight line. Visible actions, okay. And underneath that line, underlying attitudes. Am I, am I making sense? The line be, between the two people, the straight one, the slanted line. So the top is visible actions, and the bottom is underlying attitudes. So actions and attitudes. Okay, so the story goes that the son, the daughter, or the employee was looking at the actions of the other person who was the employer or the mother or the father. Say it was a father and he drank too much, he was unfaithful to his wife, and he neglected the son. So at the top, the son is seeing the visible actions of the father and in that little thing that he's saying or thinking, I will never be like that. That's what the top little person, the son, is saying, or the daughter, or whoever. I will never be like that. He's seeing the visible actions of the father. Okay, but the friend that's kind of outside the circle is looking at the son and the father, and he's saying, you're just like the father. And he says, how can you say that? I've been faithful to my wife. I pay attention to my children and give them time. And I'm definitely not drinking. But what was the underlying attitudes were bitterness, selfishness, pride, self-centeredness. So that's what the outsider was seeing. But the son, because the emotional focus is the circle that's around them, he became like his father, okay? So now, see at the top where it's 
like, a, like God. It's supposed to be God. It's the triangle, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What God wants us to do now is take that circle and make it between us and Jesus. Because in Hebrews, let's turn to Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So God wants us, all right, now let's turn to another place, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 3. And in fact, Sunday you're going to be singing one of these. Um, verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So see, if we can take our emotional focus off all the junk and all the stuff and the people that hurt us and the things that went wrong. 2 Corinthians 3, sorry, 17 and 18. And turn it instead, our emotional focus on the Lord, that's how we're changed into his image rather than the things that we don't want to be. Um, I found this at YWAM. For three months, I had all these wonderful classes about ministry development. And then the last two months, I was supposed to operate in the ministry. And I didn't realize it until afterward, but I was trying to prove myself. And when you try to do that, you will always fail. Because if I try to do that without the Lord, then it isn't going to work, period. There's just no way. And actually, the, there's an underlying fear. Because when I went to YWAM the second time in particular, I was afraid that I never would be in full-time ministry. So there was a fear underlying that that caused me to try to prove myself. And instead of dealing with the fear, I, I have to realize that if I just recognize I need him to be in full-time ministry, <laughs> it's like, hello, it's not rock and science, you know, <laughs> you can't do it unless he's there. <laughs> so if we allow our understanding that we can't do it to humble ourselves, then we'll be dependent on him. And that's where he wants us, dependent on him. He somehow values our dependency. So, all right. And then we receive grace, because when we're humble, we receive his grace, and then we succeed. Okay, let's get back to Second Peter. That was my biggest lesson, to see that I was trying to prove the fear that I felt like I couldn't be. All right, so grace and peace be multiplied unto you. I'm looking at verse 2, chapter 1. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Whoa, 
it isn't grace and peace be multiplied unto you because X, Y, or Z. It's, it's a reasonable place, and yet it's something we don't think of, that the more we know God, the more grace and peace we receive. All of a sudden it makes sense. And, and multiplied means to increase or abound. It's enabling grace for daily living and heart peace that's produced by the Holy Spirit. Okay, but the word knowledge, there are several words in the Greek for knowledge. So this one means to recognize, have full discernment, and understand completely to become fully aware and acquainted with. It's a relationship between the person who knows and the person who is no, known. So it's us who, know, who knows, who gets to know, and the person who is known is Jesus. All right, and if the person who is known, Jesus, is of value, of importance, is worthy of appreciation, it's more than an intellectual understanding. It is the operation of the Holy Spirit enlightening us to know. And that's in Ephesians chapter 1. And that's in verses 15 through 17. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And that's a familiar passage, but there it is. That kind of knowledge comes from the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So it also includes the thought of connection or union as between a man and a woman. Because in Matthew 1.25, Joseph did not know Mary until after she had Jesus. And that word know is in there. So it's kind of a intimacy, the union between a man and a woman. And that's the kind of knowledge God wants with us. So, okay, let's, let's go back to 2 Peter. Okay, verse 3. Oh, my. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So I just want you to see the knowledge of God gives us grace, gives us peace, and gives us all things, everything that pertains to life and that word life isn't just our necessities of life like food, clothing, shelter. It's the God life. It's the energy, the vitality, the, the resurrection power of God that's inherent in him. In other words, it's who he is, basically. And so, um, let's see. And it's through knowledge that we get life. And it's all things that pertain to that kind of life and godliness. Let me look and see. Godliness, I like this. Due reverence, or, or reverence that's due upon recognizing the worth of God and dependence on him, a humble submission to what he wants, an honor and a respect that's shown publicly. And this one phrase, I don't know who wrote it, this word godliness embraces 
our confession of the one living and true God and the life that corresponds to that knowledge. So we want to be like him, and we want that to be shown through us. So that's what he's given us, all things to have that kind of vitality and life of God, as well as the kind of life of living it that shows to others who he's like. So, all right. So according as, that's in agreement, in agreement, the grace and peace through knowledge and the all things for life and godliness through knowledge. And another, the given is bestowed or granted to us as a gift. So all of these things so far are God-given, our faith and the, the knowledge and the life, the godliness. Okay, so what I see here is divine power. It's his power, but look at Keep your finger here for a minute. Go back to Ephesians 2. Okay, so. In verses 8, in verse 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Okay. Now look at, go back to 2 Peter where it says, By his power all things are given to us for life and godliness through knowledge. I don't know if that makes sense. It looks better on paper than it did for me saying it. <laughs> but, but he saves us by his grace. He gives us his power, right? He, so salvation is by grace. All things for life and godliness is by his power. But it's through our faith and through our knowledge of him. So we combine. It's not just something that God says, okay, here you go. It depends on us as well to follow through. Okay. So I want to do a side note on knowledge. Look at First uh, Peter, I mean Second Peter, fourteen through twenty-one. Maybe I won't read it all, but the side note on knowledge is that God's word and God are totally reliable, are totally dependable, totally trustworthy. Um, let's let's look at John one twelve for a minute. I didn't read 2 Peter, but maybe when you go home, read, read through 2 Peter. It's really fascinating. Okay, John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Okay, so I want you to see the word. Okay, it's not in that verse, is it? No, all right. Jesus is the word. As many as received the word. Okay, there we go. As many as received the word, he gives power. So the word plus receiving it equals a birth. Does that make sense to you? Okay, the word is there, and to receive it gives power to become. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. <laughs> Okay, so, all right, let's go on in Second Peter. We're only down to verse 4. I'm totally amazed, but anyway, all right. So, okay, by, all right, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So he's called us. We know Colossians 1.27 that says that 
we, we have the mystery of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And Romans 8 is that that's what he planned for us all along, to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's where our glory lies. So by his glory and his virtue are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay. Andrew Murray said, we are living in covenant with the God who has sworn faithfully to fulfill in us every promise he has given. So we have promises, and those promises involve us being a sharer with God of his nature. Um, there are tons of scriptures. I'll give you the three, but we won't read them. Well, maybe we won't. Just turn to Numbers. Two of them are in the Old Testament, which I thought was really interested. interesting. Promises to the people of the Old Testament, but also to us. Numbers is one of the five, first five books of the Bible. All five were written by Moses by inspiration of God. Numbers 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? And the answer is, right, <laughs> he will make it good. All right, let's do Isaiah 55. Just got to see it. So these two are in the Old Testament. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Oh, 10. Let's start with 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but watereth the earth, makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So it completes its work. God does a thorough work. When he says something, he carries it out. So let's turn to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Did you bring your rubber finger with you? Looking through <laughs> 2 Corinthians 1.20. Can I do that? I'm in 1 Corinthians. Sorry about that. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in Jesus are yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So I'm telling the choir <laughs> things that they know. So let's, let's go on from here. Um, the promises is that we'll be like Christ, that we are like Christ within, and that our outward will reveal him. Um, I want to just allude to the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust is a craving or a passionate desire. And when I was thinking of lust, have you ever seen a rotten apple or even touched a squishy cucumber, right? Or a raw banana, a raw, an old banana, yeah, yeah. And the other thing I thought of, well, where is it? That was good. A bitter watermelon. 
ever like, oh, watermelon, ooh, <laughs> right? Okay, that's corruption. It's not death, it's just a ruining of everything that that fruit had purpose for. So I sort of see the seed, the promise as a seed. A seed goes in the ground, gets water, and it bursts into life. But an, an apple that gets rotten is not good for what its original intended purpose is. So that's what's going on in the world right now. Okay, so the side note is in Second Peter, but it's in chapter 2. And I kind of want to read this because it ties in. 2 Peter 2, verses 19 and 20. In chapter 2, Peter is warning them. He says, we've got all this good stuff, and we know that it's true. Um, back in 1 Peter, he says, you know, I saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and but we've got a more sure word of prophecy in the Old Testament that the word of God is true. And then he says, yeah, then there are going to be false teachers, and they're not going to give you according to the word. But in verse 19, it says, while they, the false teachers, promise the ones that are listening to them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So there's, there's a warning there. There's a warning. There's an understanding. Let's, let's keep growing to know the Lord. That knowledge of the Lord is going to keep us from the corruption that's in the world. You can see that even more now in the situations that we've got in the world. Um, okay, and now let's turn to it in the, here, chapter 3, verse 4 to 14. I won't read it all, but here Peter is saying, look, the word is true. Here are your false prophets. But then I want you to realize that Noah was living, and they all laughed at him, thinking this, this world is never going to be deluged with water. What's he doing building a boat on dry land? But that happened. And he said, be aware that the world ahead of us is going to be consumed by fire. So he said, keep that in your mind as well with the knowledge of God. So, so let's read um, just uh, chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And then read down to, let's see, verse 11. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, like the heavens and the earth, like what we're standing on and sitting on right now. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or conduct and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." So, let's see. So, that should be the end of it. Okay, fine, we know God. We know he's coming. We know the earth is going to be dissolved. 
we should live like good Christians. But on the other hand, we have to know the Lord and that we need him and that we can't live like good Christians unless we recognize the Holy Spirit in our lives and allow him free reign. That's what Peter's going to get into right now. So, chapter 1 of 2 Peter, let's begin with verse 5. And I think I'm going to read through the whole thing and then we'll go back. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yay! That's like, this is what it's like, okay, you don't want to be barren, you don't want to be unfruitful. So if you know the Lord and you continue in these things, you're going you're gonna to end up good. Well, that's what he says later on. It says in verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So let's look at these things that Peter is telling us, all right, especially because in verse 14 he says he's about to die. These are his last words to us. And we know that last words are really important. So in retrospect, he's saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. So now take out your, your chart on the second page. And let's see if I can help walk through this. Okay, so at the top boxes you'll see faith, virtue, knowledge, and all the things that he's saying to add. And underneath is a little um, description of what that could mean in your life. And I want to point out the arrow in the middle is where we're, going, where we're heading is Christ-likeness and effective life and in life-giving through the Spirit of God in us. And, um, okay, so Let's first of all look at what Peter is saying, and beside this. It really, in the Greek, means for this very cause, because we have these promises and we've escaped from corruption, let's look at these next things that we are to ask the Lord for help with in doing, you know, just cooperating with him together, and let's get this accomplished. Because we can partake of God's nature, because we have escaped corruption, let's look at Philippians 2. This sort of paraphrases what we just read. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, this is Paul talking now, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Praise God. It's him and us, united as one. Okay. So I, I like this um, 
see, I think it was West that said, in this way we will cooperate, uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit in producing Christ's life in us and through us, that God is not an automatic self-propelling machine. So my image is of an engine on a speedboat, that it's, it's not that just God does it for us, but that he's in us, you know, and it depends on us that if the hull has a hole or needs maintenance, you know, that's, that's our job. The engine will give us the power, but we need to be the maintainers. Or, or if we're steered in the wrong direction, we're going to run aground rather than end in paradise, you know. So it's a combined effort. And that's what Peter is saying about diligence. Diligence is intense effort. So Peter is saying, uh, the word in Greek actually means to make haste, to be eager, to do one's best, best efficiency, unhindered. In other words, I think of Pastor Tom's, thank you, Patrick. Yes, amen. Um, talk about needing the Lord and Patrick. <laughs> Um, okay, the Holy Spirit within us works at his best efficiency without the kink in our hose. I think of Pastor Tom's sermon. With the kink in there, the water isn't going to flow out. So when the believer cooperates with the Holy Spirit in not only determining to live a life pleasing to God, thank you, in copious, abundant, rich, wealthy manner, Right? to provide beyond the need to supply more than generously all of these things. So it's like we've got a project here. <laughs> the, these are the things that it will, will help us get to where we really, really want to be. Okay, so add to your faith virtue. And that's up here. So faith is salvation. Did I, did I give scriptures? Hold on. We know. We know about receiving the Lord Jesus. Okay. Virtue is the second one. It's separation from the things that we, are, we know to be evil. Okay. So it's a basic word of goodness, the desire and willingness to do what is right. True faith will result in a desire to do the will of God, to please him and to do what is right. So it's just... It's the desire. It's the same thing that a parent wants for his children, a willingness of heart to do the right thing. So, but, and, and that's Matthew 5 and 6. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we will be filled. Okay, so it's good intentions, and it's a good start, but even though it won't accomplish the goal until we add knowledge. So that's a dedication to the Word of God. So it's learning not how to do the right thing, because the Holy Spirit is going to do that through us, but learning what the right thing is. How do we know except that we read the Word? And this is like if we, if we spend time in the Word, we'll know what's right. So just turn to Psalm 1. Okay, so Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. 
and that's our separation from. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and that's knowledge. So, do we spend time, too much time on inconsequential things, or even focusing on, like I had, there was a Greek guy once way back, and, and he was focused on revelation. It's like his whole life was a mess, but he wanted to know about revelation. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> you're missing something here. So we have some people like that too. And wisdom is great. Solomon gave us all the entire book of Proverbs, and he said wisdom is the principal thing, and this is what I want you to get. But then again, his lifestyle didn't match his wisdom, so he ended up in mess also. So it's like the tortoise and the hare. Who won the contest? The next part is endurance. So we have self-control, which is learning how to serve others. Did I miss something? Yeah. Hold on. Virtue, knowledge. Okay, we went into knowledge. Self-control. Okay, what it takes to do the right thing once I know what it is. Okay what it takes to do the right thing once I know what it is. So let's turn to Colossians 1. Verses 10 and 11. I love it. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. There it is. This is what makes or breaks us as a witness. That once we start serving others and we understand that we're giving to them and we have the kind of control that we need, like for me it's being on time. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but the, the, our witness expands as we keep adding these things. They're all together. They work together. And you may see that God has taken you through some of this. Now, I'm going to brag on Pastor Tom because I was doing this, and, and I have seen him operate in every single one of these. So that's like, yeah, Becky, you too. I, I love it. Okay, so endurance. Did I hit enough? Yeah. I got more. I have, here's, here's two more scriptures, and we won't look at them, um, for self-control. Galatians 5.23, because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and Matthew 7, 24 to 27, because it's hearing and doing the word, spending time building on the rock. Okay, so from self-control or temperance, we're going into patience. And you think, these are, these are corresponding to each other. Um, because patience in the scripture is endurance. And we will find, as we start to serve, and pastor said this, I haven't really experienced it, but pastor and, and I think even the worship team has, misunderstanding of others. Or they think it ought to be done a certain way and you're not doing it that way and so they'll definitely tell you that you're doing it wrong and you get, you know, maybe people like in your family don't get it, you know, what you're trying to do. So that's when endure. That's why the fire is there. 
because it hurts, <laughs> you know? It's, it's like you're trying to serve and yet people are misunderstanding you. So you have to endure. So let's, let's see. Let's try Hebrews 12. Okay. Verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. Did we read this before? Yes, we did. Lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us, let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, that's good. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And at the end result, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So another scripture on that is James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. So without this kind of endurance, where would athletes be, musicians be, marriage partners be, or even entrepreneurs, if I've said that word right, be? You know, you have to have endurance through the hard times so that you can reach the goal that you're aiming for. Okay, and I love Hebrews 11:27. We endure as seeing him who is invisible. And Romans 5, especially I love verses 1 through 11, because we endure by believing that God loves us. God's love is the foundation for endurance. So everyone, is a quote, everyone goes through trouble to obtain and hold on to the things he values. So endurance isn't just a bearing patiently of difficulties, it's also a contending against ungodly influences to keep what rightfully belongs to you. But the end goal of endurance is to, to be conformed to the character of Christ. So even endurance isn't enough, we have to add to endurance godliness, which is the next step, because then, once we go through hard times, we'll more respond in humility toward others. We'll begin to see their hurts, and that's going to, um, let's see, all right, I'm going to back up. Godliness, again, honor, respect, reverence for God, a faithful devotion, and becoming like him, because he's merciful. There are scriptures, I'll, I'll give you. He's merciful, Luke 6.36, and encourages us to be merciful. He's loving, which is 1 John 4, verses 7 through 11. He's holy, that's 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. He's true, 1 John 3, verse 18. He's good, Ephesians 5, 8 through 9. He's patient, 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. He's self-controlled, 1 Corinthians 9, 25. Okay, but godly living is also not an end in itself because God reaches out to us with the qualities we just mentioned, and he wants us to reach out to others. 
So that's where brotherly kindness comes in. And we begin to have antennas, you know. We're in a room and all of a sudden we're just drawn to this person and the Lord wants us to minister to them, that they have challenges that God knows that we can help them with. So all of this is growth in godliness. And here's um, Galatians 6, 1, 1 and 2, and I won't read that, but you can write it down, and Father's love, which is Romans 12, oh, okay, 9 through 13. And the last one in this list, brotherly kindness, we add love to it. And this is the kind of giving love that serves others with no thought to themselves. And that's the last one, that's maturity. That is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I guess let's read that. John 13. A new commandment I give you, says Jesus, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And I want to point out, this set me free, I think it was Creflo Dollar that said it, that often we're quoted, you know, God, Jesus said, Love God, it's the first commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And I used to say often, God, I don't love you like that, you know? <laughs> it's like, I really, <laughs> I want to, but I don't. And this is the new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you first. So he wants us to receive his love first, and then we can give it to others. So that set me free. I was like, okay, I'll take everything you've got to give me. <laughs> so, all right, so let me read this to you and then we'll close. Brotherly love, now he's going backwards. Oh, let, let me explain too. See where it expands on the ends here? That's because once we hit the fire and we endure through the fire, our witness expands. We become a greater witness because of it, more Christ-like. Brotherly love will be the rule only where there are godly persons. And they became godly only because they were willing to endure less than ideal relationships and circumstances in order to walk with God. Brotherly kindness will occur only when there are men and women of self-control where there are those who are knowledgeable in the word of God, where there are those who desire to do what is right in order to demonstrate their faith in God. So, and it, like it says, we won't be barren or, or ineffective in, in our lives with the Lord. And make sure, to, that word in Greek, when we're, we're sure of our calling and our election in God, it's stable, it's firm, it's an assurance, it's a legal term, a guarantee from a seller to the buyer that you've got this thing. <laughs> so I'm gonna close with a memory of mine that, and I've shared this before, but it's so, so meaningful to me. 
I, I was baptized again by Pastor Tom and Vinny was on the other side and yeah, I had been through a time of real anger toward Christians, some Christians that were doing a, a big project and they weren't doing it the way I thought it ought to be done. And so I saw, you know, what can, what can I say? So I saw that that was really ugly. And um, so I, I decided I was going to be baptized. And I went down, and it was like, yes, I'm dead. Thank you, Jesus. And then I, I struggled to get back up. I, was, I lost my footing in the pool. And Pastor Thomas here, and he says, I've got you. And the Holy Ghost just came over me and said, yeah, I do have you. So it's like, the Lord's going to keep us. The Lord's going to keep us. As long as our heart is still toward him in faith, in trusting him no matter what. So let me pray and, and seal this in our hearts by the grace of God. Father, we just, we're grateful that you have us, that you're going to bring us, Lord, that you love us enough to show us where we're wrong, to help us depend on you, to teach us what we need to know, and to bring us through these steps, Lord. We lift up all these steps to you. We, we tell you right now that our heart's desire is to show you to the world and show your excellence to everyone we meet. And so, God, we commit ourselves to you afresh. We, we present our bodies as living sacrifices. We are renewing or renovating our minds, Lord. And whatever giftings you have given to each single one of us, Lord, we operate in them by faith. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. the kingdom of God and his righteousness.